Well, hey, Hope City Church, how we doing? Good? Excited to see everybody here in our main auditorium. I want to say hello to everybody in our uh, family uh, next gen room. A big hello to everybody over there. That is our judgment free. I have small kids room. And so uh, great time to have service over there. And then everybody who's watching online. Uh, last week, we had as many people watching online as we had here in person. And so uh, hello to everybody who's watching online and, and hanging out with us. And I know that so many of you are still unsure about coming back and being here and is it safe and all that stuff. And so we, we love that we can do this together. We can be a church together wherever we are. And, uh, and so thank you for watching online and being a part of this. And I do want to just brag for a moment because I was feeling extra sentimental uh, during that second song as they were singing. Just so proud of our team. Just so proud of our team because so much of what, so many of the good things, let me say it this way, so many of the good things that happen around here, you only see the finished product and you have no idea, uh, A, how much God helped us, but B, how amazing the people are who are working on it. And I think when you see how people respond and react to adversity, you really learn a lot about people. And our team, you in your own life, obviously, but as a church and as a team, we've been reacting and responding to adversity for like five months. And it's been amazing to see how our pastors, our teams, our volunteers, specifically like in online, for example, six weeks before we were able to start coming back, we were like, hey, you know, we really need to make our online better because so many people are going to be watching online and the team just jumped in and and I have a daughter who's on the tech team, but so many people jumping on the tech team and, and serving and serving in the chat and scheduling and, and doing all those things in, our, in that department. But even this past week with our students, we had our CYC uh, event that normally happens on a college campus in Cincinnati, uh, but had to improvise, had to adapt. And they did that. And we had 40 or 50 kids here every night and after parties and mechanical bulls and all that good stuff. Uh, because people were willing to, to adapt and, and respond. And so I just love our team. Thank you to the worship team. So we have like two services going on at the same time uh, in two different rooms. And so they're coordinating all that. You see people walking around with headsets. Uh, you got to be really important to get one of those things. They're walking around with those and coordinating all that. It's just, it's, uh, it's harder than it looks. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we just say thank you to all of our team who serve? So, I don't know, I was just feeling mighty proud uh, during that second song. I love you, uh, everybody who's, who's serving. Thank you so much. So, um, we are in the third part of a series called Jonah the Stubborn Prophet. And we have been taking some time to uh, study this really short four-chapter book. Such a short little book. You can read it really quickly in one sitting. And for most of us, we probably heard it as a kid in some Bible class or camp or bedtime story. Uh, I know I've read it to my kids at bedtime, but what we're learning through this series is it's not just a cute little bedtime story. Uh, it is a story with teeth. It bites because Jonah was not just a man who had a bad day and got swallowed up by a fish. He was a man who loved his country more than his God. He was a man who hated people of different races and nationalities. Uh, he was a man who constantly needed God's grace over and over again, but refused to give it to other people. 
And, and, and he was just a stubborn man. And he fought God every step of the way. And that's why I think we have so much we can learn from Jonah's story is because we fight God every step of the way. We need grace and, and we, we struggle to give it. And so that's what we've been learning. Now, as a part of this series, we have partnered with Uversion. We're excited about that. Our church is now a content partner for Uversion. And so we can submit stuff. We're gonna be using that. And so if you haven't joined the Jonah seven day reading plan on the Bible app, hopefully you're using the Bible app. If you haven't done that, the easiest way, you can search for all the different stuff, but the easiest way, honestly, is just to text the word Jonah to 55444. Just text Jonah to 55444. It's going to send you all the links that you need. You're not signing up for anything. We're not asking for your email address, anything like that. It's just going to send you the links and you'll get where you need to go. All right. So let's recap what we've learned so far. We know that Jonah got a message from God. Jonah knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Jonah wanted God to go to Nineveh and he wanted him to preach repentance to the Ninevites so that they would uh, turn from their evil, wicked ways and, and return to God or turn to God. But Jonah didn't want to do that. He didn't want to go. They were his enemy. They were the, uh, that was the, the capital. The Ninevites were the capital of the Syrian empire. They were cruel. They were evil. They were terrible people. And they were the enemy of Jonah's country. And he didn't want to go. And so last week, Pastor Joe talked to us a little while about uh, running from God, because that's what Jonah did. Jonah didn't want to go, and so uh, he didn't just go hide in his basement. He went and bought a ticket on a boat heading to Tarshish. Now, Nineveh was, uh, was, was to the right, and Tarshish was to the left, and Tarshish at the time was the end of the known world. So, so Jonah was literally saying, God, I would rather go to the end of the world than do what you want me to do. I'm not doing it. And so he ran from God, and Pastor Joe did a great job talking about running from God. And that's where we pick up the story. So we're going to pick up the story in chapter one, verse four. Uh, and I promise we will speed up because we're taking it like a verse at a time, but that's not what's going to happen today. We're going to start at verse four. We're going to read to verse 16, which in the oldest manuscripts of the Bible was the end of chapter one, chapter verse 17 got added later, but we're just going to read four to 16. And then I want to pray for us. And then we'll jump into the message. So let's read our verses today. Jonah chapter one, verse four. This is what it says. It says, but the Lord, because remember Jonah got on a boat headed for Tarshish, says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their God for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Have you ever had a desperate moment where you literally, literally thought you were going to die? You know that feeling that happened to me one time in a small little Cessna plane that my friend had a pilot's license. I don't know what I was thinking. And I rode on the plane with him and we got caught in a storm and I was sure I was gonna die. Uh, and there is a desperation. If you've ever had that moment, a car wreck, whatever it is. And that's what these guys are experiencing. They're gonna die. And so they start throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Now this is, let's just stop for a second because this is a really great warning. This kind of tells you a little bit about the kind of guy Jonah was because he's running from God, disobeying God, and he's brought this storm on all the sailors and they are freaking out and he's sleeping like a baby. So this is just free life advice for you from the Bible. If you are in a relationship with or are friends with or are connected to people that make your life crazy and you can't sleep, but they sleep just fine. 
We need to get rid of them, okay? Always be worried if you're staying up later than the people who are causing your life all the problems, okay? That's what's happening here. And so Jonah's sleeping, sound asleep in the hold. So the captain goes down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God and maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Verse seven, then the, ca- then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods. It's lowercase g because they believe in all kinds of gods. And so they're casting lots, which in essence just means throwing dice. They're gonna throw dice. They wanna see who caused this terrible storm. And so when they did this, Jonah rolled snake eyes and they're like, it's him, right? And so Jonah is the culprit. In verse eight, While, uh, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. It matters who's in your boat. It matters who's in your boat. When people tell you what they're about, when people tell you who they are, listen. And he'd already said, I'm running from the Lord. And they said, why did you do it? They groaned, why? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Verse 12, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. Have you ever done that, by the way, just like in a relationship? Have you known somebody needed to go overboard? but you just keep rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. And we're gonna salvage this thing. We're gonna say, sometimes they just gotta go. This is not a relationship sermon, by the way, just some nuggets in here for you. And they can't get there. The stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. So they're talking to God, our God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sins and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Verse 15, then the sailors picked up Jonah, threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Your word brings life. Your word sets us free. And so, God, I pray that my words would not get in the way of what your words are trying to do today. And, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to confront the areas of our life that are keeping us away from you. I pray that they would go deep into our heart, your words, and they would begin to grow something in our lives that needs to be grown. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said, amen. So our verses today teach us something that we forget. It's a reminder of something that we forget in, in our lives. We do forget it. And here's the reminder. These verses teach us that sin causes storms. Sin causes storms. You can trace every storm in your life back to a sin. You can, everyone. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. But I love this quote by Tim Keller. Tim Keller uh, retired recently, but uh, a few years ago. But he was a pastor at Redeemer Church in New York City, an amazing author. If, if it's got Tim Keller's name on it, buy it and read it. And uh, an amazing author. And this is what he said. Uh, he wrote a book on the story of Jonah. And this is what he said. He said, the Bible doesn't say that every difficulty is a result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you difficulty. Sin causes storms. It does. 
And what do, we, what do I mean by sin? Because sin can mean a lot of different things, right? It's it, depending on, you know, if you were raised in church. I mean, I, I was raised in church. Everything was a sin. I mean, everything. You couldn't, it didn't matter. If it was fun, it was a sin, right? And uh, so you couldn't do anything there. And uh, but we're all raised differently, you know, and, and, and uh, what, what is sin? When I say sin causes storms, what am I specifically talking about? You know, what, does, what is sin? Because most people think that sin is a list of things that God says you can't do. And if you do those things, you are sinning. Not exactly. That's not exactly what the Bible, what the Bible tells us. Most people think that sin is what you can't do. Sin is what you want to do, but you can't do. God's not going to let you. You, you, you shouldn't, you, you couldn't do that. And I guess that's one way to look at it. But really the Bible teaches us that sin, it's not the things that we can't do. It's really more of the things that we shouldn't do. That God does give us a way to live our life. And he wants us to abide by and live by his way of life, not because he's keeping us from something, but because he's protecting us from something. Now, that's not what culture would say. Culture would say religion is old school. Religion is stuffy. Religion robs you of fun, robs you of joy. A culture says religion makes you feel guilty for doing what you want to do, the things that are really in your heart to do. You being you, you being true to yourself, don't get connected to religion because religion's just gonna make you feel guilty. And if you feel good about it, it's a good choice. If it makes you happy, can't be that bad. That was the philosopher Sheryl Crow. And, and so culture says, man, do you. Don't let anybody make you feel bad for doing what you want to do. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin leads to death. Ultimately, eventually, emotional death, spiritual death, sometimes physical death. And so God gives us a way of life, not so that we can't, but so that we shouldn't. Because sin leads to death, but God's way leads, leads to life. Now, the original word for sin, uh, Hebrew word is hata, H-A-T-A. And you don't need to know that for any particular reason, except that the original translation of the word sin was really, it was an archery term. It meant to miss the mark or to go astray. So you shoot an arrow, you miss the mark. They would say you sinned, you've gone astray, kind of modernizing it a little bit. It would be, you, you have directions on your phone and you're trying to follow the directions, but you make a wrong turn. And, and it says, you're going the wrong way. You, you're going astray. You're getting off the path. And so sin, biblically, sin is when we go away from what we should do. It's James uh, chapter four, verse 17. That a man who knows in his heart what he should do, but doesn't do it to that man, that is sin. And so it's going astray. It's missing the mark. It's knowing what God wants you to do and not doing it. Right? And that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah is going astray. Jonah is going the opposite direction, the exact opposite direction of what God wanted him to do. He runs away from God and he runs into a storm because that's what happens when you run away from God. Every storm can be traced back to sin. I wanna show you that. So let me, let me just give you three kinds of sin that cause storms in our lives. And this is gonna cover all sin. So I'm gonna give it to you in three ways. The first, 
The first kind of sin that causes storms in our life is the original sin. This is Adam and Eve's sin. And the original sin messed it up because when God created the earth, when God created the world, he created it perfectly. It was perfect. It was exactly the way that God designed it. And men and women had no shame and they had no insecurity. They had no anxiety. They had no depression. They had no fear. None of those emotions existed because in God's design, it's flawless, right? Adam and Eve eat the apple. Sin enters into the world. Sin enters into the heart of man. You turn the page, one page, brother killing brother, because now the world that God designed had been broken, sin had entered. This is the original sin. You say, well, what does this have to do with me? That happened really long time ago. Why is this important? Well, it's important for a lot of reasons, but in terms of storms, it's important because this explains all of the things that happen in our life that we can't explain. All of the unfortunate and unfair and, and confusing, confounding storms in our life that happen that have no explanation. It does have an explanation, sin, the original sin, the broken design of God's perfect world. Some of you know what it's like to find out that you have cancer or to find out that someone you love has cancer. My mom almost 10 years ago died of, of cancer, 49 years old. And, and if she was very health conscious. She worked hard to make sure that she was you know, healthy and there was no logical explanation for why she had cancer and not someone else. The only explanation is original sin because cancer now gets into a bloodstream. And if you've ever had that happen, you know the storm that it causes, the medical bills, the treatments, the everything that goes with it. Your, your life is now spinning in a, in a whirlwind because of something that was completely out of your control. It was, it was just the broken system, the broken world that, that, sin, that sin broke. It's not just sickness though, it's also really annoying things like car trouble and basements leaking. The next time your basement leaks, just have a few words with Adam and Eve, just <laughs> God's design, no basements leak, right? But this, this explains all of the unexplainable things that, that, are, um, that are out of, our control or our reasoning or our logic. I'm facing this storm and I don't really have a good explanation. The only explanation is that God's perfect design for the world was altered when sin messed it up because sin always messes it up. So there's the original sin. That's one kind of sin that causes a storm. And then another kind of sin that causes storms is my sin. Everybody say my sin. This, you can't shift the blame on this one. This one's all you. This one's all you. It's the choices that you make, the times you go astray, the times you know you should go right, but you turn left. The times when your decisions to go against what God said or what God wants for your life causes a storm in your life. You decide to be unfaithful in your marriage and you, you lose your family. That's your sin. The times that you make choices to, to break the law or 
things like that. And, and you face those consequences. That is, that is your sin. And, you, and you, you go into a storm that would not have been a storm, but you made a choice and it, and it caused that storm. That's your sin. If we had time, we could take the rest of the day, we could just pass the mic around and we could all tell stories of storms that we have faced in our life and it was 100% our fault. For those of you in the room who are a little bit younger, high school students, college age students, your parents or your youth pastor or somebody that you love is trying to get you to make good choices. And the reason that they want you to make those good choices is not because they're trying to keep you from something or punish you or make you boring or old school or a loser. It's because they know what kind of storms they went through because of their choices. Doesn't mean you're gonna listen. I didn't. One of my favorite quotes is John Mayer quote. And uh, they asked him like 10 years after his first album, you know, multi whatever. And they said, if you could go back and tell 18 year old John Mayer anything, what would you tell him? And he just laughed. He said, it wouldn't matter. He wouldn't listen. I'm the kind of guy that I usually have to just go through the storm because I wasn't convinced you knew what you were talking about. And so there's really a lot of wisdom in listening to people who have gone through storms because of their sin, because you can learn from their mistakes. So there's the original sin, there's my sin, but then there's one more kind of sin that causes storms in our life and that's someone else's sin. It wasn't your choice. You didn't do it to yourself. Someone else did it. Your parent, one of your parents walked out on the, the, the family and, and now you are dealing with the storm of insecurity and, 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 and shame and uh, all kinds of things that choices you made and things you're, you're trying to, to show and earn and work for because of someone else's sin. Somebody drives drunk and, 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 and causes tragedy in your life and there's no there's, it wasn't something that you did. You did everything you knew to do, but, but their sin caused a tragic storm in your life. It was someone else's sin. And, and we see this in this story specifically because it was Jonah's sin that was causing the sailors to fear for their life. The storm that they were facing was not their fault. It was, it was Jonah's fault. Now, it's worth saying that there are times in our life that people we love make bad choices and cause storms in our life. And we ride through that and we row as hard as we can. And sometimes we throw cargo overboard doing everything we can because we love these people. But there are other instances where we are connected to people who are always causing storms. They're, they're always making choices that are causing us storms. In those instances, it may be time to, probably is time to make some choices to separate ourselves, but there will be times in our life, my life and your life, where someone else's sin causes a storm. And so the original sin, my sin, someone else's sin explains the storms that we face in, in our life. And so Jonah's sin brings a storm on these Sailors, and they ask the question in verse eight, why, why has this awful storm come down on us? Now we know the answer. 
we read it, and we probably already knew it before we read it. We, we know that this awful storm has come on them because of Jonah's sin. It was Jonah's choice, but there's more to it than that. Be, because it's, I, I'm sure you have wondered this too, and I, I have, that there are times in life where we're facing a storm and we're not necessarily looking for the logical explanation of why it's happening, but at a deeper level, we're wondering why is it happening? Why do I feel this way? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? So they weren't just wondering logistically, why is there a storm? What's the weather pattern? They were also asking what is going on supernaturally? Cause these are very spiritual mystical men. They're rolling dice, looking for explanations and gods. And so they're not just wondering the, the logical explanation. They're also wondering what is happening supernaturally? Why is this storm happening? And Jonah's answer in verse uh, 12, is the answer that we usually give when we wonder why. Jonah says, it's my fault. And if you'll throw me overboard, it'll go away. And we believe that God is vindictive. God's trying to get even with us. God is, God, God will, everything will go back to normal if, if, if we'll just pay the price. Some of you listening to me right now, like you looked up to the sky as a teenager and said, God, I hate you. And now you're 45 and you trace everything that's happened bad in your life back to that moment at 18, looking in the sky. And you think you ticked God off that night and he spent the rest of your life trying to get even with you. Or... or or, or you made some bad choices or you, you did something you weren't supposed to do and God's trying to get even. And so you think, you know what, if I would just die or if God would just get his, get his peace with me, if God would just, it would all go away, but I, I messed this up and I've got to pay the price. That's what Jonah thought. And that's what we think too. It's my fault. And, it, and Jonah's right. It was his fault. It was 100% his fault. But God was up to something bigger than just some consequence. This was not a consequence. These verses are a reminder of a powerful truth about God that if you can ever wrap your mind around it, it will change the way that you feel about storms forever. I want to read it to you in Jonah chapter one, verse 11. Let me just, we read it before, but I wanna just read you a few verses again in 11. It says, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do? And Jonah said, throw me into the sea. It will be calm again. And verse 13, instead the sailors rode even harder, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, we don't wanna die for this man's sin, hold us responsible. Look at this last line. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. This, this one line, this one sentence has so many beautiful implications. It's one little sentence, but, but, it, but it's really two statements. The first thing they say is they say, oh Lord, you have sent the storm which is a really uncomfortable thing to say because we usually try to isolate ourselves or push 
God is far away from bad things that happen to us. We, we struggle to rationalize how anything bad could be connected to God in any way. And so we push it away and we say, God had nothing to do with that. And you know, sometimes we say free will and, and sometimes we say the devil and, and we just, God could have nothing to do with that. We just wanna get God as far away from it as possible, but that's not what these guys did. They weren't even Christians. They didn't even believe in God, but they're looking around at what's going on. And they're saying, okay, there's more to this than weather. This is supernatural. This is supernatural. God sent this storm. Now, what I'm not talking about is the well-meaning people who show up at a funeral home and say like, God needed another angel. They're connecting God to it, but in some hallmark way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about staring or standing in the middle of the storm and recognizing that something bigger than what you're facing is happening. Something supernatural is happening. But why? You say, okay, why would God make us face a terrible storm? Why would God bring this storm? That's what verse four said. The Lord hurled a mighty storm on him. And we have no problem with that theology when we're reading about Jonah. Of course, God sent the storm. That's Jonah. But in our life, God doesn't hurl storms. God would never do that, right? Why would God do something like that? Well, that's the second statement they said in the sentence. They said, oh Lord, you've sent the storm. We could take a whole day to talk about that. And they say, you sent it for your own good reasons. And we love the verse in Romans, God works all things together for, uh, for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. We love that verse, but that, that verse means that there are not good things that happen, but God is able to make them good, right? And so he, the, these sailors say, God, you have sent it for your own good reasons. And we assume that anything in life that we're facing that's bad must be bad, but we have such a limited perspective. If I were to ask you, can anybody in the room think of something that happened in your life that you swore was terrible, but now when you look back, you realize it was actually a great thing? Of course. And there are a few things in life that we'll be able to connect the dots and go, well, I can see how that or that. But there are so many things that eternally, it won't be until this life is over that we'll be able to look back. And I don't know how it works in, in heaven and exactly, but in some way you'll see the timeline of your life and you'll go, I didn't know. I didn't realize what God was doing. I didn't realize the good reasons he had for the things that I was facing and feeling. Now I know I was born to that family. Now I know why we lived in that neighborhood. Now I know why I battled that for most of my life. Now I know why God had me lay that down. I, I couldn't see it, but I see now that God had his own good reasons. And if you can ever come to terms with this idea that God sends storms for his own good reasons, you are going to have such an easier time trusting God and worshiping God in the middle of the storms because you can trust that he is still on your side and he's not a God who is out of control when bad things happen. He's a God who is totally in control when storms are in your life. You can trust and you can worship because you say, I can't think of any good reasons, but you've got some. And so I'm gonna choose to believe that you have them. 
And so Jonah thought that the reason that God was sending the storm was to punish him, but he wasn't sending the storm to punish him. The storm was grace, it was grace. And when we are stubbornly refusing God and running in the opposite of direction where he's called us to go, he is gracious enough to allow us to face the consequences of our decisions. He loves you too much to leave you alone. And some of you listening to me right now, you've been begging God for a long time. Will you just leave me alone, God? David said it in the Psalms. He said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm weary from the blow of your hand. Stop striking me, God, that's what he was saying. And some of you have felt that way. God, leave me alone, let me go, let me do what I wanna do. Let me, let me have what I wanna have. And God loves you too much to leave you alone. He loves you too much. It wasn't punishment. It was a path back to God. See, that's grace. It's not punishment, it's a path back to God. And, and can you think of a time in your life when you thought God was punishing you, but he was really giving you a path back to him? Can, can you think of a time in, in your life when, when God tore the boat apart that was taking you away from him? And thank God he did. A consequence that was your saving grace. If you find Jonah at 50, 60, 70, 80, and you're asking him for wisdom, nuggets, life stuff, he, he, he's telling you his story. He would not talk about the storm in disappointment or sadness. He would talk about how that storm was one of the greatest things that ever happened to him and how tearing that boat apart was one of the kindest things God could ever do. And how that storm that he thought was killing him was saving him. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And I know pastors say that all the time, but I, I promise this is like a top five, okay? Second Samuel chapter 14, 14. I mean, I love it. It's, it's been with me since I, first time I read it. It says, but God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. How good is that? We think if I'll just keep running, God will leave me alone. But the farther we run, God says, I am working on something so good to bring you back. So here's how I want us to end the message today, and it's a little different. It's gonna be a little counterintuitive or, or how we normally end it. But I thought it would be great if maybe we just take a moment and we thank God for the times in our life when a storm tore apart the boat that was taking us away from him. I wrote down a couple of examples off the top of my head. Maybe it was getting caught in a lie and it was humiliating but it was grace that you got caught on the third lie because the third lie would have been the fourth lie, 10th lie, 20 lie. It was grace that you got caught. Maybe it was losing all your money. You were chasing something, you lost it. Maybe it was a relationship ending. Maybe it was rehab at rock bottom. Maybe it was a divorce or losing custody of the kids. Maybe it was getting fired or getting demoted or not getting a promotion. 
Maybe it was a worldwide pandemic and a quarantine that took all of your ambition and life plans and parenting superpowers and just ripped them apart. Maybe it was bankruptcy, foreclosure, finding out a spouse cheated, finding out the truth about what your kids have been doing. It's grace, it's grace. Thank you God for tearing my boat apart when I was running away from you. And so here's, here's the prayer to end it today and then I'm gonna pray for us. I think an amazing prayer that we could pray together is God, thank you that when I was running away from you, you loved me too much to let me get away. God, thank you that when I was running away from you, you loved me too much to let me get away. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that when I was separated from you with no way to get back to you, you sent Jesus to make a way so that I could have a relationship with you. And God, I pray for every person in the room right now who is running from you. I pray God that you would help us to stop fighting, to relent, to turn around and to come back to you. God, thank you for every time that you brought a storm into my life to slow me down when I was going the wrong way. Thank you, God, for every time in my life you tore the boat apart that was taking me in the wrong direction. Thank you, God, for grace, and thank you, God, for devising ways to bring me back to you when I had gotten away. And I pray for every person who hears my voice right now that is away from you, maybe for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, maybe for a couple of weeks, but they have been running and they're trying to get away. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would, would let them know, would make it clear that you will not give up on them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.